and welcome into today's roundtable. And earlier today, we had a chance to talk with John Gallagher about an FMCSA exemption request from the state of Florida, asking them to look at the way the CDL is administered, the test is administered, and if a person fails the first part, the, basically the pre-trip inspection, they can still continue to do the rest of it and then come back on another day and complete that first part of the test. Joining us to talk about this, if this is a good idea or not, Brandon Wiseman, CEO of TruckSafe, as well as Thomas Watson, our enterprise trucking expert here as well. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Brandon, let me start off with you. Good idea, bad idea to try and do this, you know, not in one complete day or one complete, I think if the, the test takes about two hours or so. What do you think of this idea? Uh, I don't have a problem with it fundamentally, um, because if you look what precisely the state of Florida is looking to do, it's really to just enhance the efficiency of this process. Um, because right now, the way that the rule is set up, it's set up. So as you said, Bill, if, if you if the student fails the pre-trip inspection part of the skills test, there's three parts to it, pre-trip, uh, basic operation or, or basic controls, and then also the on the road portion. The way that the rule is set up now, if they fail the pre-trip portion, the student can't proceed to the other uh, portions of that test on that particular day. But there's nothing that stops them from coming back the very next day and doing the thing over again. And so the problem as that Florida's running into, uh, as, I, as I understand it from their petition, they have done like 35,000 of these skills tests. They's, they've administered that many just in the last 12 months. If you look at this, you know, people are scheduling these skills tests and they're scheduling like one hour blocks or two hour blocks or whatever it is. And if the student fails that first part, well, then you've got the examiner sitting there for potentially another hour and a half just twiddling his thumbs because the rule doesn't allow him to uh, administer the other parts of that test and then have that driver come back and just do the pre-trip. No, the rule requires them to come back tomorrow. So it's not as if we are talking about a safety issue at this point because the rule all already allows those drivers to come back and try it again the next day. Really all we're asking, all that Florida is asking for is, hey, from an efficiency standpoint, let us get as much done today as we can, recognizing that they're probably gonna come back tomorrow and just finish that one part rather than having to come back tomorrow and, and finish all three parts. So like I said, fundamentally, I don't have a problem with it. Thomas, what do you think? Good idea, bad idea to try and do this in terms of breaking it up or if, if again, a student fails that first part or should they have to do it all in one, one sitting? I mean, I still got, I got to go with a good idea too. Now I'll give the, uh, uh, the opposite take that I'm hearing on social media from folks who are normally smaller fleets owner operators. Uh, but, you know, from a standpoint like CDL testing and trying to get the spots, I'd even heard that there's, there's an issue with trying to get the time and the, the actual slot. So imagine you do fail your test and you got to wait maybe days or weeks to, to get a new spot highly inefficient. Like, you know, you still have to pass them all to get your CDL. So, uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, like even from a safety standpoint, yeah, correct. Now there had been some folks, uh, hot takes on social media, you know, some people claiming that, well, if you can't, you know, pass it all at once or, you know, it's going to lead to more, you know, more unsafe drivers on the road. But if you really do dig into the language, uh, like you said earlier, uh, doesn't, it, it looks like a pretty pragmatic approach to, uh, wasting time. So, Brandon, looking at the test as just as an entity in and of itself, does it need to be changed at all? Or just basically these three parts are good enough? Because uh, We had Matt Leffler on not too long ago, and and one of his concerns uh, was that, of course, I mean, again, you can't test for all of this. You can't test for everything. 
But for instance, uh, drivers are not tested in weather. They're not tested in, in mountainous terrain. Obviously, you can't do that if you don't live in those areas or are exposed to those types of things. Yet, long-haul truckers will be at that stage. Any, any way that you see this test might be changed over time if it necessarily needs to? Well, one of the big uh, things that I see with this, like I said, I'm not concerned with Florida's request specifically for the reasons I've already mentioned, but I do sure. have some concerns and I'm sympathetic to people who have safety concerns with a with a broader question. That's not up for debate in the in the narrow issue that we're dealing with with Florida's petition, but I think should be up for debate, which is, are we comfortable with the basic premise that a driver can fail a portion of the skills test and and, and and essentially come back and just try it again without any intervention in in the interim period of time. I mean, we so this rule has been in effect since around 2011, I think, this process where this idea that they can fail a portion of the test and, and uh, whatever portions they do pass, they get to bank for future use. So if I pass, let's say I pass pre-trip and I pass the, uh, the basic controls, but I fail the on-the-road on the road portion, I get to bank those first two uh, sections that I passed. And then when I come back the next time, uh, all I have to do is pass that last portion and I'm good to go. Um, but I think we should be asking the question is, is that really what we want to happen? Because if you look at what these skills tests are, it's not like we're testing, uh, hey, is this a good driver who we really feel comfortable out on the road operating? No, we are testing for basic competence, the very baseline minimum that we feel comfortable allowing them to operate. So if you can't even pass the baseline minimums that we have set up, I have real heartburn with saying, just come back tomorrow and try again. I mean, clearly the person needs some additional instruction uh, and some probably some additional time spent with them to make sure that we understand the root of why they failed the test. And I think we can do that now. I think we could, it's time to look at that again now that we have the entry-level driver training requirement in place because it seems to me that that would be the good mechanism to do that because if we're uncomfortable with them just being able to come back and, and take it again the next day because maybe they get a more lenient examiner the next day and that's that the only reason question. yeah. 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 Maybe maybe that's question. the only reason they pass the next day. It's not that they have improved. They just got a more lenient examiner. So maybe the way that we should think about this and that the FMCSA should consider this is, hey, if I don't pass a particular portion of the skills test, there's a waiting period now. And I have to go mm -hmm. back and work again with an instructor and make sure that they are truly comfortable uh, with my with my ability to do these things. I, I would feel more comfortable with that. But again, that's not up for debate with uh, with Florida's application. That's right. not what we're dealing with. Right. So. Well, we can we can still jump into that arena as well. Uh, Thomas, what do you think in terms of the overall test? Any changes you'd make? Um, I can't remember if it's uh, involving putting on chains or not, but whenever I manage fleets, uh, drivers would not be very good at putting on chains, even if they knew how to put chains on. Uh, backing accidents were a big concern. There's a reason large nationwide carriers put uh, those newly minted CDO holders who just passed these tests. They'll put them on a, with a trainer for like six weeks for finishing. And then they'll have their own tests at the terminals frequently to double check. So, yeah, I do think that it does need an overhaul in terms of the quality. There's been some talk about, you know, not all CDL schools, some are CDL puppy mills that they've called them or CDL mills cranking it out with lax standards and unfortunately those costs typically fall onto the larger fleets your smaller carriers are going to say well you need two three 
years experience or say clean record but this does impact the roadways and those large uh, mega carriers depending upon what you want to call them uh, because they're the ones oftentimes fronting the extra costs and risks uh, when these folks are coming out not properly trained as they should We've got a couple of minutes left here. Brandon, looking at it, kind of looking at it from a passenger vehicle standpoint, obviously you've got yeah, the learner's permit, the restricted license, the regular license in most places where you've got to have a year and a half or so, maybe even two years in cases to, to get all that done. Do you look at that perhaps as a, an, an added layer of safety, possibly in terms of, like we say, going on with the trainer driver to make sure that you're doing the right thing? When you get caught in situations where you need change, where you're driving through mountains, where you're you're headed through weather, that kind of stuff. I think it's definitely something to consider. We have something similar like that now with the CDLs, with the commercial learner's permit and the requirement that they be accompanied by a, a CDL holder while they have the commercial learner's permit before they're able to then uh, go through the entry-level driver training and pass the entry-level driver training. And then if they do that, then they are eligible to uh, to get to the DMV and take the, the skills test. So I think we are making progress in that regard, particularly with the entry-level driver training. I mean, there, there's a lot of things to dislike about the entry-level driver training, but if nothing else, at least it kind of standardizes the um, the materials that we are expecting all of these uh, potential CDL applicants to, to know. And so I think that has gone away uh, a long way to help improve the process because before that, I mean, there was just nothing like that. I mean, yeah. uh, you, could, you could learn from your brother how to drive the truck, and as long as uh, you could pass the knowledge and skills test, then you're good to go. At least now we have somewhat of a curriculum, but to your point, the question is, do we need to go a little bit further with it and maybe require some more uh, more on-the-road training with a trainer and stuff like that? I think it's a, a certainly an interesting question, one that I wouldn't be opposed to revisiting. Thomas, re- really quickly, looking at it in terms of, of uh, more more things to do to get the CDL versus larger, ba- larger barrier to entry, uh, which, of course, the trucking industry doesn't want to see either. Well, I mean, you know, you're going to see large fleets for the sake of safety want higher barriers to entry because they're going to be the ones who partner up with the CDL schools. They're going to be the ones who help pay for you to get your CDL. So anything yeah. that uh, makes it safer, they may be halfway self-insured. Ask Matt Leffler. It's hard to get insurance. You can't just call Allstate for my billion-dollar trucking company. So, you know, I would see that we should see large fleets continue to push for overhauls and even more standards and make it more difficult because they're the ones who are taking the vast majority of these newly minted CDO holders. So, you know, right. I think that is one of those things where when you have safety, it's a very persuasive thing, and safety often will trump. But when you have 80,000 GWR rolling on the road, you can take out a few cars. I'm going to lean towards the safer side, a little stricter if I have to be. Of course, if the FMCSA says or gets the idea that there's more safety out there than there is now, then they probably would go with the more safe, more safe option there as well. Brandon and Thomas, thanks so much for joining us for our roundtable. Thanks, Bill. All right, we will take a short break. We'll come back, wrap up this edition of Freight Waves Now coming up after this.